This is One Bills Live, presented by Kaleida Health. All right, here we are, back together on a Tuesday. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you on a One Bills Live edition just two days away from the NFL Draft 2023. Ready to start in earnest and already big moves. We were wondering when the other shoe would finally drop on the Aaron Rodgers trade, and it finally did. Aaron Rodgers is a New York Jet as uh, the Jets give up a second-round pick. They had two. They flip spots with the Packers moving down from 13 to 15. They give up a six this year as well. And then a conditional second-round pick next year that could become a one if Aaron Rodgers plays 65% of the offensive snaps, which would seem likely if he stays yeah. healthy. The only, way he's, the only way he's not going to is if he gets hurt. Right. <clears throat> which, given the Jets' propensity for stuff happening, it could happen in training camp. This is true. Uh, Aaron Rodgers will wear jersey number eight. I like it. I for, appreciate uh, that the, from him. For the Jets. Uh, that was his college number at Cal. Because Joe Namath had given him permission to wear the 12. Which is retired and, for the Jets. And Aaron saying, no, nah, no, nah, I'll, I'll, wear, I'll wear that one. And that's awesome for him. I, I'm, you actually want to give him some credit for I that. Do. I do. And I do give him credit for it. Yeah. Because, you know, these guys, you know, from, from this side of it, guys put a little too much weight on the jersey number. Like it means something. Um, and it does a little bit. But, man, oh, man, having Aaron Rodgers go, no, 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 Joe. And just paying him that level of respect and just saying, no, I'll wear number eight. <clears throat> no worries. That's pretty cool, I think. It is. Uh and this continues the history of the New York Jets and their inability to develop a quarterback <laughs> that they draft. Every time they draft a quarterback, high, low, or somewhere else, it rarely pans out. The best example of a quarterback they drafted that had at least a halfway decent career was Chad Pennington. That's the last time they've had a drafted quarterback right. that had a halfway decent career. Chad and Pennington was injuries derailed him, his shoulder yeah. injuries to his throwing shoulder. But he was a more than capable NFL quarterback. Very good quarterback, I thought. Um, that's the only one in the last 40 years. Ken O'Brien did okay. You know, he was okay. He Ken wasn't great. Yeah, I mean, you can say what you want about um, the rest of them. And he was taking two spots ahead of Dan Marino, but that's another story. Um, so, yeah, the, the, the Jets have done this before with, you know, mixed levels of, of success, they picked up Boomer Esiason, a Long Island native. They signed him after he's done with Cincinnati. And, you know, he had some success with them. I think they went to the playoffs once or twice with Boomer. Vinny Testaverde was another veteran pickup example. They did go to the playoffs. Matter of fact, they came within a half of a Super Bowl right. with Vinny Testaverde. Um, lost in the AFC title game in Denver. Mark Sanchez is another one that went got to two AFC title games. Yeah, under Rex, Rex and just never put he it almost, together. He almost regressed. He never really put it together. He was buoyed by an all-world defense. Sure. Which I think most would agree that's how well, most the quarterbacks Jets got are. to two straight AFC title games in 08 and 09. Um and then you've got more recently, Brett Favre, one year with the Jets, and then Ryan Fitzpatrick, a couple of years with the Jets, no playoff appearances, and now we have Aaron Rodgers. 
So the veteran quarterback route is the route that well, the Jets went, have gone. He skipped just to be playoff competitive. He skipped Sam Darnold and Zach Taylor. Well, those Zach were Wilson. those were drafted ones. I was talking right. about the veteran pickups. Well, I, yeah, but you also you know, developing drafting and developing I said, guy. The reason they pick up veterans because right. they can't <laughs> develop guys. Right, and those two last two draft picks, which were that's why Aaron Rodgers is is there now. That's exactly right. You it in a perfect world, Sam Darnold would be there and and. The Jets would be laughing at the team that drafted Zach Wilson. Right. So this is, you know, and this is a draft that, you know, the Jets could have moved some draft capital and moved up the board to try to draft another one. But I think they know if they do, they're going to probably head right down the same road because it's been a 50-year problem. Right. For some reason, none of their coaching staffs that have had first-round draft choices at quarterback have been able to develop those players. And then they end up having to go the veteran route. And, you know, they have mixed success with veteran quarterbacks. That yeah. has been the story of the Jets for the last 45 years. It's hard to generalize that as a, for the organization because every guy's different. Rodgers is not going to be Brett Favre. And, he's, you know, they're not going to be Brian Fitzpatrick. And they're, they're all these guys are different. And you can say, well, it's the same team. They're going to do the same. It's, it's not really – they. Ryan Fitzpatrick was limited to begin with. He might have played his best football at times with the Jets, mm -hmm. but his, the, his best is not good enough. Brett Favre was used up when he got to the Jets. You know, and Aaron Rodgers, you can make the case on this end of his first snap that he may be washed up too. He certainly is not the player he was four years ago, uh, but two years ago he was two-time defending MVP of the league. And has won four MVPs in his career. He is has got it between his ears or from the neck up. The guy is brilliant. Can his body support that? I don't know. We'll see. They can better the be Jets, drafting a tackle at right. 15. Can the Jets roster support him? Maybe. Uh, I think you're right, though. I, th I don't think they can depend on a guy like Makai Becton to do it. You know, he's just he hasn't done it. You've got to get a guy. And I think they got to start up front. They've got weapons around him. Their roster, the Bills found out last year, their roster is really good, particularly defensively. And certainly you would think their offense is going to get a huge boost by having a guy who can actually pull the trigger at the other end of the pass. they got guys that can run routes and get open and make plays. They had anybody that could get them the football. So the Jets, and there's, and I get it. You know, you got all the national, like you know, Mike Greenberg, you know, and everybody's like, man, now they're – and I think it does change things for the Jets. Absolutely. If only if only attitude-wise, oh, the well, whole building. Just look, at, just look at social media yesterday oh, the whole after building. Yeah, the whole building has got to be picked up by Sauce this. Sauce Gardner changed his avatar. Garrett Wilson changed his avatar on his social media accounts. So, so yeah, the Jets – you know, I set them ahead of – I put them ahead of the Dolphins. And I put them closer, much closer to the Bills than I would have otherwise, no question. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no question. But, you know, I – you know, you know, Josh and the Bills just out – you know, just kind of strangled the life out of the Packers last year with Aaron Rodgers. And you can say what you want about the quality of the entire roster. Uh, Josh outplayed him. At least by the naked eye, I, don't, I wouldn't even go back and look at the statistics to to back that up. Josh, Josh had a red well. zone pick in that game, right? Uh, it was part of that string of red zone picks that he had. But otherwise, I mean, still they were well 10. up, and Green Bay kind of climbed closer in the end. 
But that game was out of hand by middle of the third quarter. And then Green Bay got a couple of late touchdown drives, I think, to make it look closer than it really was. Um, thanks right. in part to some red zone turnovers. So, yeah, make of it what you will. But this is our question for you today. How has the Aaron Rodgers trade to the Jets shifted things in the AFC East? You let us know. 803-0550, the local number to get on board. one 888 is the toll-free number if you're outside the immediate calling area. How has the Rodgers trade to the Jets shifted things for you in the AFC East? What's your take on it? I realize we've got a draft this week that could further shape these rosters in the division, but that's, that's probably the biggest move of the offseason in the entire league, let alone the division. So what does it signify to you as far as the balance of power in this division now going forward. You look back at that, and I went back real quick and got those stats. You know, Rodgers statistically outplayed him. Uh, two, two touchdowns, one interception. Josh had two and two. 91 rating for Rodgers, 75 rating for, for Josh. 203 passing yards for Rodgers. Josh had 218, so it wasn't really the uh, aerial acrobatics that we would have expected. But the Bills absolutely strangled All right, the Green Bay Packers. All right, let me ask you this. How likely do you think this is? Week one, Sunday night football, Bills at Jets. I would say better than a coin flip. If, yeah. it's, not, if, it's, right? not, if it's not Sunday night, it's Monday night. I mean, it's very often. Or it's the 4 o'clock game on Sunday. Very often, division games start the season. On schedule, it's a four o'clock game on Sunday. That's the I think window. it's Sunday night. It might be, and it might be Monday night. You know, I think it's Sunday night, week one, at, at MetLife Stadium. That is a given. Yes, absolutely. That who Brownie, good call. It's got to be Sunday or Monday night football, and CBS will be stumping to have it be the doubleheader game on four o'clock on Monday, Sunday. Because, see, the, the big window for CBS is the 4 o'clock game on Sunday. And that game absolutely crushes numbers for any whoever's playing. It yeah. gets a monster number. And with Rodgers and Josh Allen and the division, big, num- big TV market, marquee team in Buffalo. And then in the regular season, it's the Thursday night game or the Monday night game. It's whatever it isn't there. Yeah, I think, I, think, f- I think that's got mm. week one primetime written all over it. It's too easy. Yeah, that's a good call. I mean, the kickoff game, I think everybody is expecting it to be a rematch of the Super Bowl because the Chiefs, um, they play the Eagles this year. Oh, could be. That's a lock. Thursday night football? Yeah, the kickoff game. Yeah. I mean, it's a lock. Maybe, yeah, that'd be good. they play each other. Um, that's their – that's the Chiefs – out of conference extra game. We're about we're like three weeks away from that, right? From the schedule. well, some Mid-day. of these early games trickle out though. Right, they we'll get- put out the kickoff game, mm-hmm. and then they'll put out the, the Europe games, games yeah, which the Bills are one of those. Yeah. So, you yeah. know, we'll we'll see what happened, um, what happens with that. But usually they they kind of they breadcrumb you out to the main schedule with little teasers here and there. So I think there's actually one or two that come out draft week. Like, if not Wednesday, 
Maybe at the end of the weekend? I'm you trying to remember, right. but you I seem right. to remember during draft week, there's usually some <clears throat> little tidbit of schedule out. news that what trickles out. And here's the thing, too. The Bills came into last season as this favorite because, you know, because of the 13-second game. And the Von right. Miller trade. And the Von Miller After the trade. Von Miller trade, everybody had the Bills as the right. Super Bowl game. They were, they were killing it. So you knew that they were going to get – and it ended up they had like six primetime games, and they never disappointed. I mean, they were they were a team people loved watching. Yeah. I don't know if they carry that into this year because of the because of the way they exited and the way the season went. You know, it could be you know the Bills Cincinnati game is another plus. Um, well, the Bills looked ordinary in that game, and everybody's written them off. Right. They haven't done anything seismic in the off season, and so because of that, people are sleeping on the Bills, right. and I think that's just where they want to be. I think the point. It, my my point was going to be that. Do you think they have another six games on prime time this year? I think they'll have a handful. I don't think. I don't that, know about they, six. They won't maybe have five. Six. They have four. Josh Allen is must see TV. Yes, he, he will is. be on national. Primetime television. And there's always the, They're going to have five games with the Bills in primetime. Yeah, and they had one flexed, flexed into primetime. Yeah. So it's going to That's happen. always a possibility. Uh, let's go to the phones to see what you think. 803-0550. Open line for you there. 1-888-550-2550. How has the Aaron Rodgers trade to the Jets shifted things in the AFC East in your mind? Leading us off today is Brian in Buffalo. What do you got for us, Brian? You're on One Bills Live. Thanks for taking my call, guys. And I think the Jets are, you know, they are going to be a much better team than they were in the past. But we still have Von Miller, and they still have to beat us. We got Josh Allen, and we handled Aaron Rodgers last year. So, you know, they are going to be better, but I don't think it's going to affect our standings at all. Thanks for taking my call. All right, Brian. Appreciate that. So he's still got the Bills as the better overall team. Uh, than the Jets. I would say that the Jets last year had a Super Bowl caliber defense, and that defense has taken some hits. Uh, they lost Sheldon Rankins in free agency to Houston, and there's some other guys that kind of washed out. LaMarcus Joyner wasn't re signed. Quan Alexander, I don't believe, was re signed either, um, but I'll double check on those. They did add a nice piece in Chuck Clark who they acquired for just a seventh-round pick in a trade with Baltimore. To me, that was a coup of an addition. Mm. And then after that, they've, they've pretty much loaded up on the offensive side of the ball. Alan Lazard, McCole Hardman, uh, they've added a couple of lesser-known offensive linemen, and then obviously the trade for Rodgers. One interesting signing that kind of went under the radar for the Jets, Quinton Jefferson, who was signed here in free agency, played one year and then was released as a cap casualty, went out to Seattle, and then now is going to be back in the division with the Jets on a one-year deal, presumably a replacement for the departure of Sheldon Rankins. But uh, let's get back to the phones and see what you think. How has the Aaron Rodgers trade to the Jets shifted things in the AFC East for you? We go to Kevin in Hamburg next. What do you got, Kevin? Hi, guys. How are you doing? Thanks for taking my call. Sure. I think it's definitely going to make it scarier. We... um had trouble with Zach Wilson, who stunk mostly. Um, I think it's going to make it scarier because it made – they've always been scary, especially when we play them in New Jersey. We don't have good luck in Jersey anyway, even if we spank them here. So it's going to be definitely scarier. And one more thing I want to say is don't be surprised because a big guy like Aaron Rodgers is in a big place like New York. Don't be surprised if he's the first game – that first Thursday game, the one the Bills were in with the Rams last year, that seventh or eighth or 
Don't be surprised they throw him in because of the big name he is in the Big Apple. Don't be surprised. Or I'd be more shocked if they didn't put him in against someone like Tua or whatever. Yeah. So, yeah, they could put him in. And they probably won't have games like that that they normally don't have with Zach Wilson or Joe Schmo or whoever else is quarterbacking. Yeah, th- there's going to be a huge appetite for people across the country, outside of the Jet fan base now. You know what I'm saying? There's going to be a huge appetite for the Jets for people to see them because of Aaron Rodgers. They want to see Aaron Rodgers play for somebody other than Green Bay, and there's going to be an enormous appetite for that early in the season. If you know, and Depending on how it goes, there'll be more or less as the season goes on. But at the beginning of the season, everybody's going to want to see it. And so that's the kind of thing that they want to put in a marquee game, and it makes too much sense. Now, you want to pair that with somebody that's going to give you a great game or at least give you some, some added bonus to that because, let's face it, Brownie, the the Jets could be playing the Arizona Cardinals, and people are going to be tuning into that, you know? Right. I still think it's going to be Super Bowl rematch for the kickoff game. Yeah, Thursday's a given. It's the Super Bowl teams. It's Chiefs and Eagles. It's the, it, the Chiefs are playing somebody. Now, whether it's the Eagles or somebody else, it remains to be seen, but that's it. I mean, that even the Chiefs game could be – you could be throwing the Bills into that like you did last year with the Rams. But it will be a team that the Chiefs – play on their schedule that's going to be the Thursday night game. The other two, Sunday night and Monday night game, are the one that the Bills would have a chance at And a lot of times it's a Monday night doubleheader the first week. You know, they have an right. East Coast game that's and right. a West Coast game, 7 and 9 p.m. They that's stagger right. the two games. Yeah, but th- it's not going to be the Thursday night game. I, th- no. That'll be I the, think it's Sunday night or yeah. Monday night week one. Mark I mean, it, it could, it could be because Jets. they're on the schedule. The Bills are on the Chiefs' schedule, but I don't think yeah, that's happening. You know, if you have a chance to replay the Super Bowl from the last game of last year, you're doing it. How do you not do it? You know what I mean? Right. Plus, you got a top five market in Philly, television market involved. It's just it makes too much sense. Let's go to Mark in West Seneca next. What do you got for us, Mark? Good afternoon, guys. How are you? Good. Um, I have a, a comment on the change in the division, and and then a question for you. Yeah. Guys. yeah. Uh, First of all, uh, as far as uh, Rodgers going to the Jets, uh, everybody, well, I think a lot of people are looking at that going, oh, my goodness, the division's getting so good. They're better. They're better. We're scared, this, that, and the other thing. Um, I think our football team is being sold short. And, Mm -hmm. Steve, I'm with you when you talk about the Bills uh, as a whole, that they are still a class and top-notch team in the league. They are a top three team in the league we got to remember all the things that that team went through last year all the injuries that they went through last year and Aaron Rodgers bring it on we're going to have Micah back we're going to have Jordan back uh Kyrie's going to have a year under his belt uh we still got uh Johnson I mean we defensively we are going to be absolutely fine against him uh we have proven that in the past whenever we've played Rodgers a few times we have Offensively, uh, I think we're going to be fine also. I think we're going to see a little bit of a shift. Uh, I think against the Jets, we have to go to a a little bit shorter passing game, move the ball with first downs, and we'll be fine against them. Um, And Josh, as he said earlier a couple weeks ago, he is super focused this year. So I'm not afraid of the Jets. I'm not afraid of Miami. Bring it on, guys. That's what this is all about, competition. My question question is this. there was a lot of talk early on when this uh, trade was talked about about 
salary cap gymnastics the Jets were going to have to do. And I know, Brownie, you, you usually are on top of this kind of stuff, and I thought I heard you before I got came on sort of alluding to some of their roster moves. Do they still have to make some moves, do you know, in order to fit that contract in? Because I know there was actually talk about them releasing their star middle linebacker if they had to in order to fit him in. And that was a while ago now, though. Yeah, it's a... It's a little unclear now, Mark, um, yeah. only because what we're hearing now is that Rodgers is going to renegotiate his contract um, for the Jets and presumably for the very purpose that you're getting at there because um, they don't have a lot of room under the cap. And thanks for the call. Um, by trading him, the, the Packers have rid themselves of the albatross that was a $58.3 million option bonus that they were going to have to pay Rodgers sometime between St. Patrick's Day and week one of the upcoming season. By trading him, that now goes away. Right. So $58 million of the dead cap hit they would incur by trading him disappears. It just vanishes because it's an option bonus that they never exercised. Um the Jets will have and inherit, I believe they inherit this, because it's a 2024 option bonus to exercise the compensation he will be due in 2026, which right. Here's the, totals another $15, $30 million. Right. What, Spot, what Spot Track's got is that Aaron Rodgers' cap hit this year is 15.7 to the right. Jets, 14.5 of which is bonus. Um, he's making $1.1 million. Base for his salary, but his cap hits 15.7 and he'll have 15.7 in his pocket. Now the, the dead cap hit, the dead cap hits 59 million. If they, if they're going to release Aaron Rodgers, which they're not going to do, it's that that tells you where the money is. The dead cap money is 59 million if they hit him. So that's um, where they're at. Um, It's not a big cap hit for the jets, but even so spot tracks got Got them over the cap by, uh, I think, $6 million. Yeah. So they're going to have to move some things around. Yeah, they got to move some money around. Or Rodgers is going to renegotiate. And that's the report I saw this morning that Rodgers is going to renegotiate the deal uh, to fit it under the cap for the Jets. Now, how much gymnastics they're going to have to do, we'll have to wait and see. And we'll have to see what they decide to do with 2024, 2025, and 2026 on the original contract that he signed with the Packers. Um, because the way the Packers drew it up, they gave themselves an out with a much more palatable dead cap hit after uh, or after this season. Because I think they really only wanted Rodgers on their roster for another two years anyway, and then we're going to turn it over to Jordan Love. They're doing it a year earlier now and moving him off their books um, so the Jets are going to have to be very, very creative with how they craft this deal to make it palatable to Rodgers, number one, and number two, don't put them in cap jail. But it is a concern, and we'll have to see what the new contract for Rodgers yields you to have bet. an idea on where they sit cap-wise. You can bet he's going to get at least $15 million in his pocket this year, maybe more, but it'll be as a bonus that will go forward as a signing bonus that will yeah, be Yeah, but how many years out. is he going to sign this guy for? You probably, don't even know if he's playing next year. Well, they'll probably have probably sign him to as long a deal as he'll sign, like a five-year deal with some voidable years at the end, uh, just to hold the cap down. Uh, they got to get past this fifty-nine million dollar hit that they're going to take this year 
if they if he's released and well, they're not doing can't that. carry it. If, yes, they can't carry that forward. So they'll do some gymnastics. You can bet he'll make at least that number fifteen seven this year. Maybe he'll make maybe even more than that this year. But the cap number is going to going to be instead of fifteen million, it'll be like five million. Well, they got yeah, they got to knock it down. They got to knock it down. That's the bottom line. Because the 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 option, especially if they want to do other business, right, like the, sign their rookie class, right? See, the the thing that's causing the cap hit this year is only the option bonus. So they can switch that option bonus to a signing bonus. That makes a difference because the signing bonus gets spread out over the life of the contract. Right. The option bonus goes right there. That is correct. Let's get back to the phones and see what you think. How has the Aaron Rodgers trade to the Jets shifted things in your mind in the AFC East? We go to Jay out in Denver next. What do you got for us, Jay? Hey, guys. Thanks for taking my call. I appreciate it. I really think uh, Jets are going to win the AFC East. I think the Bills are going to battle with the Dolphins for second and third place. And let me, let me put some points here for you guys. Okay, let's hear it. Rodgers hasn't had a talented wide receiver like Garrett Wilson in a couple of years. We saw what he did with Devontae Adams. The Jets are a much, much well-rounded team. You had, you're getting Bryce Hall back. People forgot how he played in the beginning of the year. He looked an outstanding running back yep. and an impact to that offense. The Bills also lost to the Jets when they had Zach Wilson, which is absolutely ridiculous. And if you want to go to the Packers game on Monday night or Thursday night, it was Monday night, I'm sorry, um, that's the beginning of Josh Allen playing horrible, turning the ball over, and the Bills not scoring points. Uh, Steve, you're absolutely wrong. The Bills scored no points in the second half. And they were absolutely trounced in the second half by the Packers. And if you remember, Green Bay ran the ball in the first half and basically it appeared to be giving the game away to Buffalo. Even Von Miller said, hey, it looked like he said, why aren't you throwing the ball? If they would have unleashed Rodgers, Bills would have probably lost that game. Um, they had, I don't uh, know if you can well, say that, Jay. Dude. Uh, yeah, well, okay, you can say that, but go ahead. In the second half, gentlemen. Hang on, hey, let me finish here. Go ahead. Different game in the second half. And I'm telling you, the Bills are overrated. we got nobody but Stephon Diggs. Gabe Davis is a number three, number four at best. We need to go out and get D. Hopkins and match this trade because Rodgers is going to come in highly motivated. Now, you guys, I get, make fun of them all the time, man. The guy's a two-time MVP of the last three years. If he comes in motivated and plays up to his uh, capability, we're in trouble. All right, so let me ask you this, Jay. This offense that stunk so bad with just Stephon Diggs and nobody else, how'd they score more points than anybody all but 30 other teams in the National Football League playing with Josh Allen, turning it over in the red zone. They led the league in drops, and they were middle of the pack or top third of the league in turnovers, and they still scored more points than every other team in the league saves Kansas City, and they beat them by a hair la- air, an eyelash. So tell me how that offense stinks, Compar- particularly compared to the Jets. It's, it's not a Super Bowl-winning offense, Steve. You look at it, what did, what did they win? Where, what have we won? We've won nothing. People talk about it. People act like we've won a Super Bowl. We Nobody's a acting like they've won a Super Bowl, Jay, but I'll tell you this. Yeah, Jay, Jay, come on. Lost. You're telling me the Jets are better than the Bills because they, they were 9-7? and seven? an excuse for them. DeMar Hamlin, that's an excuse. You're a professional. You get paid like a professional. Act like one and play like one. I'm sorry. There's no excuse. Oh, DeMar Hamlin, that killed their season. They're professionals. They got paid. Look it. Jay, 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 now, Jay. You're, now you're treading into some water Jay, where you really don't know what you're talking Jay, about. Jay, you don't know anything yeah, about what you're talking about. You really don't know what you're talking about there. You have no idea, Jay. You have no idea. Jay, you have no idea. You can talk about No idea, Jay. Hold on a second. We can give you a chance to talk. Jay, you don't know. You have no idea what you're talking about, Jay. None. Zero. You have no idea what you're talking about. And look, I've never been a professional athlete myself. Steve has. And... Can I just give you one anomaly that I have? 
Well, Jay, I'm just telling you, man. Stop. I'm just telling you, I was here in this building in the aftermath of the DeMar Hamlin situation. And if you're going to go down that road and accuse these guys of not being professionals, I'm going to find you and scream in your face because you don't know the impact. I'll give you my address, bro. I'll give you my address whenever you want it, dude. I mean, that's not like that. No, but like seriously, dude, have a little compassion. Hold on. Have a little compassion for people who watch their teammate die on the field. I mean, what are you doing, Jay? You made a lot of good points at the front end, and then you went off the deep end. Jay, it doesn't make no, any sense. You nobody, don't nobody know what that. impact that had. That. You're done. I'm Jay, sorry. You don't on. know what impact Jay, that had on their what? mental health. You don't. And if you're going to tell me they're professionals and it's too bad they should go out and play football, you don't know the human condition. You just don't. And it's insensitive, and it's wrong. I'm sorry. Jay, the, you struck a nerve with me. You really did. I mean, come on, man. Jay, Jay that come the, on with that. Uh, we needed to cut you off because the more you talk, the worse you got. You, you the more you talk, Jay, the worse you sounded. You and really, man. It was come that, on that with was, that. That was horrible. I, I mean, seriously. Um, now you can make an you can make an argument. The Jets are going to be better, no question about it. But that's where it stops. And the rest of what you said was drivel. So, I mean, look, they, look, I've, I've said it before. Aaron Rodgers is the most accurate quarterback I've ever seen in the league. Ever. Ever. And he is just two years removed from being two-time MVP. I get he's all gonna, that. He's going to make the Jets I better, get all unquestionably. They're going to get better. But, and they may win the division. But they're going to have to go through the Bills to do it. And that ain't going to be easy. And I don't know what you're thinking about the Bills, how they stunk and they didn't do They They were way better offense than every other offense in the league except Kansas City, and Kansas City beat them by an eyelash. An eyelash. So if you're going to think the Bills are going to, like, go in the tank this year and, like, stink. And look, that's wishful thinking. I'm sorry you got me that fired up, Jay, but you start going after these guys' mental health, that's that's just flat-out wrong. And to say they should have played anyway, DeMar Hamlin's not not a good enough excuse for you. I mean, you just don't know the human condition, man. Yeah, yeah, Come on with that. That's That's just way out of line, way out of place, and I'll defend those guys in that locker room to the death on that, on that subject. I I can even – I mean, I never had that – I never went through that as a player, doing what those guys – none of us have. And even I know – I mean, you – Jay, I don't know if Jay has never played an organized sport or he did. It was way back in his past. Um. Well, I don't it's wanna... it's crazy, and it's abs- it's ignorant to spew out your projected feelings on guys who actually were going through it, and to a man were affected by it, and not just them. It was guys in in our side of the building too, um, and to to belittle that and say that had no effect or it was no excuse for what happened. Come on, you, you're being an idiot. All right, we're going to take a break. I'm going to cool down because that just struck a nerve. I, I'm sorry. I just, I'm going to defend those guys to the death on that. I am. Nope. And, you know, that's probably not the best choice of words either. But I will defend them till my last breath on that subject because it impacted them in a way I've never seen before. And it's not an excuse. It's real. We'll take a break. Be back with more here on One Bills Live presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. Yeah. 
All right, we took some deep breaths. We're in a lot better shape now. The blood pressure has come down here on One Bills Live. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you. Jay from De- from Colorado got us going. Yeah, that's, that's all right. I mean, look, he's entitled to his opinion about the Jets, yeah, he can and th- he's entitled to his opinion about the Bills, but he just went somewhere where I didn't think he should go, and that really just struck a nerve. So, sorry I got a little carried away there, but like I said, I'm going to stick up for those guys in that locker room for what they had to deal with late last year after the DeMar Hamlin situation. Yeah. Um, let's get back to the phones, though, and talk about uh, the Aaron Rodgers trade a little bit more and how you think it's going to impact the AFC East this year. We go to Dave in Clarence next. Uh, what do you got for us, Dave? You're on One Bills Live. Nope, hold on. Let me get you here. You're stuck. There we go. What do you got, Dave? Dave, are you there? Dave, go ahead. I think he's listening to his radio. Yeah, might be. Hey, guys. Uh, first of all, I'd like to say to Jay, go back into your cave, you secret. Hey. You hear me? Yeah, we hear you, Dave. Turn your radio down. It might help you. Great, great. Listen, I, I, I say to Jay, go back into your cave because yeah. you're a secret hater. All right? Number one. Up, up. Yeah, Dave. Uh, let, let, All right, there we go. There we go. Are we straight okay. down, Dave? Okay, good. I just want to say to Jay, please go back into your oh, Yeah, we heard that already. All right, good, good. Listen, as far as uh, Roger's trade is concerned, it's not going to make a bit of difference in the AFC East. Oh, yeah. Uh, they'll battle Miami for second place, all right? And they may even leapfrog over Miami into a wild card. But as far as the Bills are concerned, Listen, we are getting ourselves back together so quietly that we're under the radar in the NFL, all right? I mean, you, we're getting, we're getting um, Josh to the point where he says he's going to concentrate on football. Listen, if this guy uh, wasn't concentrating before, maybe because of his elbows, so on and so forth, if he is serious about that, the NFL is in trouble. And second of all, as far as Roger's trade is concerned, we don't know what middle state this guy is going to come to New York in. You know, after you've played 18 years in an organization, and Steve, you know this very well, I mean, to all of a sudden get thrust into a new organization like overnight and have to change your mindset 180 degrees, and plus going to a media uh, frenzy uh, city like New York uh, as opposed to uh, the one-paper town Green Bay, I mean, by midseason, Rodgers may implode. So, guys, yeah, uh, yeah, forget Rodgers. I mean, concentrate on the Bills. We're on our way. I'm so optimistic about this season. Plus, we got the draft coming up, and I really think uh, uh, Brandon Bean has in his back pocket a real hit coming up for us, a major hit uh, for a uh, a trade. So, guys. Bills. All right. Thanks, thanks, Dave. we got to yeah, move thanks, along. Dave. Appreciate that. Um, I don't know if I right. dismiss Rodgers out of hand. Uh, they will be better. I don't think there's any question they're going to be a better football team. They'll be more difficult to play against because they arguably, with that quarterback, have much more firepower from an offensive standpoint. Um, the guy makes plays. Yeah. I mean, he's not a four-time MVP for nothing. So he, he does change the balance of things in the division considerably. Some Steve said he's going to put him ahead of the Dolphins for sure. Um, I think I need evidence that they're better than the Bills. Yeah, I, I would say, too, you're right. I, I'd like to see him play. 
That's why we were talking about getting him on opening weekend, the Bills in, in New, New Jersey. But I think, for me, it's going to be, a, and to Dave's point, a bigger adjustment for Aaron Rodgers moving to New York than maybe some of us surmise. He's 40 years old, and certainly he'll that would give him the maturity to handle it in the best way possible. But New York is not Green Bay. Well, and he's being looked upon as the savior, the guy that's going to lift them out of mediocrity. Instead of just being this guy who's the face of the franchise, he's going to be looked on with some expectations that and, – and not only that, the expectations are going to be placed on the entire team now, not just Aaron Rodgers, but the entire squad and they're going to be scrutinized like no Jet team has ever been scrutinized. And that's saying something because they got – Green Bay's got like three guys in the press conference during the week. New York's got 30. Uh, it's a different animal. And if this doesn't go well early, and even if it does go well early, there's going to be some intense pressure on those players and certainly Aaron himself. That adjustment's going to be something he's going to have to get used to. Yeah. I mean, he's been he's been down this road before. I mean, the guy's won a Super Bowl, yeah. won MVPs. He's been around the block once or twice, but his teammates haven't. Let's get back to the phones, and we go to Mark in Jersey City. What do you got for us, Mark? Oh, this is lovely. I, I mean, I had to listen all day yesterday. How it's it, it's it's hilarious how fanboy central here in New York, you know, on radio because basically WFAN that's what it is. It's Jet Central. Um, the Bills are an afterthought now, and that's perfect. Now, the roles are reversed for Jay. The Bills get to just be, you know, they're not even a, no, they're, they've regressed. That's fine. The Jets, who are, what, two and eight in their last 10 games, Rodgers, who is eight and nine, and everybody will want to point at their roster. He's played with Aaron Jones, Devontae Adams. He's played with players that have much more street cred than what the Jets have, and they haven't done it. He's going to come here into this powder keg and do it where he has to do it, he's got the organization by the short hairs. He knows that. He's going to show up to OTAs. He's going to play in preseason with a team he's never took a snap from. And they get to hear how – and the Jets, if you follow their young players on Instagram, I'm sure you've checked in. They love them some them. They get to hear for almost four months how great they are. The expectations are on. It's a lot different. Now you're the hunted. Yeah. Everybody's gunning for you. That is a good point, and – you know, thanks for the call, Mark. We got to move along to other people. Um, you know, the Bills were were the hunted last year. They hadn't won anything, but after they got Von Miller, they were stamped the Super Bowl favorite by Las Vegas and every media outlet known to man. And they played well. And I they mean, did play well. They went thirteen and three, but they incurred an enormous number of injuries. The certainly the most in the McDermott era, without question. Like key pieces. I mean, right. Key players went down or were unavailable week after week after week after week. I mean, they played the Miami Dolphins without five defensive starters in their starting center and then lost five more players through the course of the game. Right. Um, it was unprecedented. So despite all of that, they still went 13-3. and three. And despite a catastrophic situation involving their teammate, they still won a playoff game. So, you know... I think lying in the weeds is just where the Bills want to be. I think they're perfectly happy with that and let everybody else get the fanfare this time around. And, you know, if you can sneak up on a few people or a few people are uh, counting you out before uh, they even play you, all the better. Let's uh, let's quickly go to Dan in Buffalo here. What do you got for us, Dan? 
Uh, the only reason I give it a little bit of weight with Rodgers, because we know he's flaky. Uh, he, he thinks he's the smartest guy in the room. Um, he's going to walk into an environment where he's the stranger. He only likes to do media with Pat McAvee and, and his boy, A.J. Hawk. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that when he has to get that pressure from that New York press and maybe they don't win their first couple of games, who knows? But I want to um, – the, the Gabe Davis to me, uh, like the third or fourth, and, and I know that guy that got you emotional. People forget Knox's brother died. Like you said, an unprecedented amount of injuries. Still came up 13-3. and Josh's elbow was hurting. The pressure of being the odds-on favorite for the Super Bowl, I hate that. We're from Buffalo. We have an underdog mentality. I didn't like that from the get-go. It made me nervous. But Gabe Davis only played 15 games. He had a bum ankle. He got 860-some, almost 900 yards in 15 games. His his game average over 17 games is a 1,000-yard receiver. Now, for some reason, that's a line of demarcation. Now, if he would have played all the games, no one would call him, uh, well, you know, we don't know if he's, if he's going to be a true number two. He was a true number two. Yes, it's a lot of boomer bust. You know, you, you know, 100 in a game and 20 in another. But um, it, all the, all the, everything we went through, for that guy to say uh, he should, they're professionals, I, I mean, I have a friend who's a pro athlete, you know, a pitch for the Braves. I don't like counting people's money. Oh, well, they're rich. They should do it. No, it's still damn hard work. Or, or you're, get, get over that guy dying in front of you. Oh, uh, yeah, because you're a professional. Oh, yeah, don't worry about Knox's brother dying and how Knox feels. No, don't worry about any of that. Don't worry about Kim Pagula. No, you're professionals. I hate that, and I like being the underdog. I think we're going to be fine. Dorsey's going to learn. Uh, his offense was a little boomer bust because we all agreed that sometimes it looked too hard. Statistically, we were number two. So, you know, going into the season, people were doubting Dorsey. Well, he had the second most points in the league, but it wasn't consistent. So, you know, we, as a alum party would say, we need to matriculate it more. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah, that was guy Hank. was a moron. Thank yeah. you for shutting him off. Right. That was a. It wasn't Lombardi. It was a. Thanks, Dan. It was Hank Stram. Hank Stram. That's yeah, right. Matriculated downfield. But yes. <laughs> um, you're right. It, it feels better for Bills fans sometimes to be the underdog rather than they were what they were last year, the, the odds-on favorite. I get that mentality. I'll say it again. This team's been good enough to go to and win the Super Bowl for three years. You can, and, and guys like you know, callers who call them say, well, you've never won it. You don't know that. that that's all. That's, that's true. That's they tr- haven't. It's true. They haven't. But neither, neither of most of the other teams. The Jets, weren't a, the Jets don't have an NFL um, they don't even have a playoff offense, let alone a Super Bowl offense, if you're going by that. Um, none of the other teams in the, in the league, except for the Kansas City Chiefs, have a Super Bowl winning offense. So if you're going to go by that, where's the, where's the, what's the insult you're giving here? I mean, you know, what's, what's your point? Yeah. The, the fact of the matter is the Bills can score points on anybody. And the reasons they don't, are, you can usually have a pretty pinpoint a pretty accurate reason that is outside of their control like being in 9,000 degree weather in Miami when the other team's in 70 degree weather when you can uh, you go down to uh, the Cincinnati game when they can't even get out of their own way emotionally to come out and play a game in you know against the Cincinnati team that is flying high uh, the same thing. They they won two games after <coughs> after excuse me. Demar went down. They won two games against two division opponents. One was a playoff game, and they had no business even being on the field with those teams. But they still won them. 
that's what being a pro is? Okay. No, it's being a human being. These guys were struggling with it. And they and I made the point that I don't think some of them are right even now. So it was traumatic. Yeah. And to say that that stuff doesn't bother you as an NFL as a pro athlete, it's just insensitive. I don't it's forget insensitive. It's it's, wrong. it's idiot it's ignorant. Yeah. I mean, come on. I don't know yeah. that it, whoever, you know, you, you've never lost anybody. You don't know what it is to see somebody pass away or a family member or something like that. I don't know what world you live in. So the Bills were extremely good this last year. In fact, they had every reason to, to think that, that they were going to go to and win the Super Bowl. They played like it through the entire regular season. I, and everybody always says, well, it's not the playoffs. I, I get all that. Man, dude. You want to talk about an ill-timed series of events that conspired to sabotage a good team's football season? I give you the 2022 Buffalo Bills. Break time for us. More of your phone calls next year on One Bills Live. Stay tuned. Back here on One Bills Live, Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you, asking you how you feel the Aaron Rodgers trade is going to shift things in the AFC East. Right back to the phones we go into Ian in Hamburg. What do you got for us, Ian? You're on One Bills Live. Hey, how you guys doing? Good. Thanks for having me. Um, I would just want to touch up on, uh, first off, that one caller talking about DeMar Hamlin. Uh, that was just ignorant. Um, I couldn't even imagine being on that field and being close to somebody like that and having to to deal with that, you know, the mental strain and uh, everything like that, it would take a lot out of somebody. Um, I think that the Bills are still the top dogs in the AFC East. Um, I think Aaron Rodgers coming in definitely makes the Jets number two. But uh, I, I, I still think it's the Bills' year. We got the draft coming up. Um, I'm not going to write them off. Everyone else wants to, but go Bills. Yeah, thanks for the call, Ian. I think the proof's in the pudding. Um, yeah, well, you know, we'll we'll see what happens in September, October, November, December. Uh, I still think the Bills roster um, is going to be in in some ways better. Well, it's going to be better than it was at the top anyway. Across all twenty two starting positions, they're going to be better than they were a year ago when they were the Super Bowl favorites. So, some teams are going to have to jump pretty high to get over that bar. Um, the Bills have both safeties coming back which was a surprise they got a receiving crew that looks better behind davis and Diggs than it did a year ago uh it's got an offensive line that looks to be better down in the middle and with this draft coming up perhaps theoretically to pick up another one to compete for the right tackle um defensive line looks to be as good or better than it was last year, particularly if they get Vaughn back at 100%. Um, corners, they're going to have two corners that have a year under their belt coming back. Healthy Tredavious White. A t- and a healthy Tredavious White from week one. Um, you can say what you want about middle linebacker. Okay, there's one spot where they're they're still searching maybe. But, um, you know, as going back, looking um, – Specter, the guy that they drafted last year, seventh round in the seventh round, athletically tested better 
than a ton of guys who were picked ahead of him. And he did make the 53, was on the roster the entire year. Played on special teams. Uh, yeah. was a special teams guy. He, athletically, he should have what it takes to come in. And I don't think anybody has even thought about him. Nobody was going to step in in front of uh, Tremaine last year. So yeah. as good as Specter might have played in practice or whatever, he wasn't going to see the field on defense. Um, this is just – and running back, you got to think they're going to be better this year than they were a year ago. Yeah, Damian Harris is an upgrade. Over Damian Harris is, a, is an upgrade over Devin Singletary, and James Cook should be much better than he was a year ago coming in knowing the offense. Yeah. I mean, you can go down the list. Uh, you can say, okay, tight end number two. Okay. Tight end number one is going to be just as good as he was a year ago, if not better. So I, I don't know where – you're poking holes at the roster, certainly maybe in the depth department at this point. Well, let's see what the roster looks like when we get to training camp. And yeah, then I mean, we can I, talk. This roster was the same roster that lumped everybody up last year. And in a lot of ways, it should be in a better spot than it was a year ago. Let's get back to the phones quick and squeeze Tom on the west side in. What do you got for us, Tom? Hey, guys, I'm sorry you had to endure that guy from Colorado. I think he's living up in the mountains. He's not getting enough air and eating too many Rocky Mountain oysters. Okay. Oh, boy. Okay. <laughs> if you don't know what they are. Oh, no, I know. Yeah, I, I, I know what they are, yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> anyway, I, I've seen a lot of guys get injured playing with them in football. It affected me. I've seen guys get injured on the job. It affected me. Some of them were career-ending injuries. So, I mean, yeah, it affects it makes you think about what you're doing every day because you're out there doing it just like they are. But anyway, to talk about Aaron Rodgers, I'm not too worried about him. I think the defense might actually be a little better this year with McDermott taking it over because I, I, I watch in the draft, they're going to go heavy defense. They're going to load up on the defensive line. They're going to get their middle linebacker. They might they might get a wide receiver or offensive line, but you're going to watch them load up on defense. All right. What say you? I think it could happen based on how the board falls. I mean, there's a very there's a, it's very likely that when you get to the Bills at 27, that the best value is going to be on the defensive side of the ball, not the offensive side, and it may steer the Bills in that direction, or they trade out. And even if they trade out to the top half of the second round, that might change the value a little bit. Maybe there's more offensive players in the picture there than at 27. But if they stay at 27, and some of these things that a lot of people predict to happen in terms of who comes off the board, they may lean defense because the value's better there. That's what you do. You do what the board tells you to do. Yeah, I I was having some fun. Uh, we were getting coffee and a bunch of the scouts and some guys up there. You know, they're they're all it's all hands on deck. And I was teasing them. I go, okay, tell me who we're gonna pick. Where we who we're gonna pick? Who we're gonna pick? You know, you tell me. I won't say anything, right? I'm going on the air in a minute, but I won't say anything. I was laughing with them, and and they go, well, you tell me this. Who's gonna be who's gonna be there? You know, yeah. I, at I think twenty-seven, really, like right at twenty-seven. No, who, no, they have no idea. Um, whoever's going to be there and the guy they like best is who they're going to take, and that's if they can't trade out or trade up or all of that stuff. Um, they have absolutely no idea who's going to be available for them because once they get out of the top ten, it turns into the Wild West because then there gets to be an enormous variance of how all the players across college football are graded by every team. 
huge variance. So you don't even know. They may think all the guys you like stink, and they may all be there when you pick, or they may think exactly like you do, and they're all gone, and you got yeah. you're gonna you don't even want anybody left. So that's the problem. They don't even they don't know who they're gonna be able to pick yet. Break time for us here, but hour number two will begin with Fox College football sideline reporter and National College football insider for The Athletic, Bruce Feldman, going to join us to talk about all the whispers going on before the draft as he talked to experts around the league, personnel executives. We'll see what they have to say about the top prospects next. Live, presented by Kaleida Health. All right, welcome to hour number two here on a Tuesday. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you. Pleased to be joined now in hour number two by National College Football Insider for The Athletic. You also see him on the sideline reporting for Fox College Football Broadcasts. It is Bruce Feldman joining us who just completed NFL Draft 2023 Confidential Coaches Dish on C.J. Stroud, Will Anderson, Anthony Richardson, and more. There's a lot more, just so you know, in there. Um, Bruce, how you doing? Thanks for uh, giving us some time today. Appreciate it. Oh, I'm doing well. Always good to talk football with you guys. So the quarterbacks naturally are polarizing as they are in every draft. And so some of the intel that you got from some of those people in the know about these players specifically was very interesting. How surprised are you to hear all the chatter, you know, in these final few days leading up to the draft coming from the perspective that you have, which is you've got a font of information from people who know these guys intimately, and then you're seeing Will Ellis is now the second quarterback going off the board. C.J. Stroud is plummeting and all of that stuff. How does it resonate with you being able to gather what you did for this piece? The Will Levis piece doesn't fit with what I've heard from actual quarterback coaches in the NFL. Um, They were a little less – optimistic or maybe a little less sold on will levis so we'll see all it takes is one team though to feel differently um it was just fascinating i think when i talked to all these coaches it's their position that they coach what they are seeing on film but also you know in the case of this group and it was a lot of interviews i did last week and into the weekend for this story on the athletic with the s2 cognition test that has gotten some attention now, and it's been talked about in media circles. So, so to talk to coaches about it who are actually in the NFL, how much they buy into it. One of them buys into it a lot, but as he cautioned, he said, you know, there's nine parts of this test, but there's really only four that matter for quarterbacks. And he said, I believe it. And some of the stuff that he's seen in recent quarterbacks and guys he's coached and guys he's seen in the league, what matches up to uh, some of the res- results that they see from it 
But at the same time, he said, you know, if somebody has a really low score when they see what they see on film, if it doesn't match up, he's like, if we're going to draft that quarterback or look at drafting that quarterback, I would make him take it again, take that test again, because I think you can get false reads on it from time to time. Yeah. And and some of these things that, like you said, it's an intelligence test and it how they assimilate information, how it affects their actions. I mean, it's a really comprehensive test, but you're right. Only a, only a part of it really speaks right to the quarterback. And so the way these teams, even the way these teams interpret test results goes into the variance they have for evaluating the same guy they're talking about. It does. And one of the coaches I talked to said, I had CJ Stroud as my top guy above Bryce Young. And then after I looked at these results, I flipped them, you know, one to two to two to one. But it's also worth noting, Bryce Young has been taking this particular test since he was in the 10th grade. Um, I don't know how many times CJ Stroud may have taken it, but it, you know, the, the guys that, that are in these meetings, you know, these coaches and they've studied the film and a lot of it, they're like a couple of the coaches I talked to said, it doesn't add up with what it doesn't line up with what we see for CJ on the film in terms of how he processes what you actually see on the film, which at least the guys I spoke to who felt that way, they were kind of discarding the test because it just said it doesn't match up with what the film is. And the film is ultimately a lot more important to them than what somebody did on a test. Bruce, I know this isn't the first time you've put this confidential column together in your experience when talking to people in the NFL that you cite here anonymously, obviously, how much do you feel or do you, do you try to guard against a guy who sold on a player explaining away concerns and I guess for an easy example we'll go to the Bryce Young size component because his predecessor at Alabama has had size and durability issues in Tua Um, Bryce Young's even smaller than Tua is and I think that is a legitimate concern for his long-term health you can have the best offensive line in front of him in football but when it's third and 22 and the routes take longer to develop it's a different story so do you come across some of these people that you talk to and they're like, I'm sold on Bryce Young. Well, what about the size thing? Ah, oh, he's fine. He played in the SEC. Like, do you ever feel like guys are explaining things away because they like the guy so much? It's possible. In this case, the guys were all that I talked to had legitimate concerns about from a durability standpoint. Right. And two is a good example, but there's other examples. One of the coaches I talked to said, look, Lamar Jackson's a big dude. He's much bigger than people realize. He's certainly much bigger than Bryce, and he struggles to make it through a season. You know, Jalen Hurts is a really thick, you know, powerful guy. You know, he's had big guys land on him. He gets banged up. We see quarterbacks all the time struggle to make it through a season because the guys who are often landing on them are 320-pound men. And as you said, Bryce Young is not only short, he's little like Russell Wilson is short, but Russell Wilson's built like a running back. They are not they are not close to the same thing in terms of like thickness and and musculature. And yeah, maybe Bryce will get, you know, fill out a little more as he gets older. But he played at Alabama in the 190s, you know, low low 190s. The idea that he's going to walk around as big as as Russell Wilson and be able to hold up. I think that's a stretch. 
And when you're talking about the first pick of the draft or somebody in the top five as a franchise quarterback, if you're sidelined for half a season, um, that's something the team has to has to factor in because you go only as far as your quarterback really can take you. Yeah, I mean, you see these quarterbacks. So much goes into that position. It's one of the most difficult positions in pro sport in all the sports to play because of the physicality of it, because of the mental acumen you have to have, because of being able to think fast, look at a defense, read it, and throw to the right spot. All of that stuff goes into it. And then there's always the thing where when you lean into a huddle and call a play, there are 10 real grown men athletes looking at you expecting you to be a leader. Um, you got to be a guy that guys can rally around. And when you get to the leadership aspect, a guy like, like Will Levis, Bryce Young seems to have it in spades. Um, you know, these guys, some of them exude this star quality. What about these four top guys, Levis and Richardson, Stroud and Young? Uh, we've heard things like maybe Levis is the guy who's least got those leadership qualities. Yeah. Yeah, and that's something I heard from the quarterback coaches. Their, his personality, they thought he was very smart, but his personality kind of, they were a little bit skittish on that. Uh, so they just, I don't know, when he when he was with them, I think they didn't get a great read on it. You know, and, and look, there are certain guys, I mean, people raved on the TCU team about Max Duggan. He has that. He's a really good athlete. I just don't think some of the other parts of playing quarterback at the NFL level they were coaches are that sold on, but the intangibles they love, you know, people like Bryce's intangibles. He's really smart. They heard really high grades on people inside the program about, you know, those leadership pieces, but again, come durability is an issue. I think with, with Anthony Richardson, who's the youngest of these guys that, you know, he's 20 years old still, and he has the most raw talent of any of them. You're talking about a guy who has, Josh Allen caliber arm strength, almost as big and runs even faster. I mean, he's a low four, four guy. The people you talk to at Florida are very high on him character wise, but he's really raw and you're going to have to bring him along, probably learn on the fly with him. But people, the quarterback coaches I talked to were seem to be much more comfortable with his personality than they, they were with Will Levis's. Yeah. We're right. talking with Bruce Feldman, National College Football Insider for The Athletic, who has just put, put together his NFL Draft 2023 Confidential. The prevailing opinion we've heard from draft Knicks, Bruce, is that there is a greater range of opinion on a number of prospects, including the top 50. Like, there might, we've heard this time and again, there might be somebody that some team would take 15th overall that another team wouldn't take until pick 45. Like that wide ranging of an opinion. The Bills fans are are big on the Bills adding another receiver in this AFC arms race. In what you got from the people you spoke to about receivers specifically, is that wide ranging opinion supported? Yeah, I mean one one thing you come back to is with I don't think this is a good receiver crop at all. I think Jackson Smith and Jigba from everybody I've talked to is the is the closest thing to kind of a sure thing. He's a really good slot receiver with great change of direction. He has got a really good feel and physicality to him. He's not small for a slot. People think he can play outside. Uh, the other guys after that have big question marks. There, this is 
this is a draft that does not have many big receivers. Quentin Johnston from TCU is the one guy who has really good size. And he looks like Calvin Johnson compared to most of these little slots. But he has some issues with drops. And as fast and, and explosive as he is, sometimes that doesn't translate on film. I mean, he's one that when you how you set up your question from a couple of the receivers coaches I talked to, they were like, I don't even think he's a top 50 player because some of the stuff that they're leery of where I think other people will say, all right, he's he's pretty good with the ball in his hands. He is very big. He he can stretch the defense. Maybe we'll take a chance on him because, you know, that the other big receivers are further like there's Jonathan Mingo from Ole Miss who people like, but probably not quite as much as Johnston and Cedric Tillman from Tennessee, but he's comes from an offense that people are not sure how it translates to the NFL. And he's really raw as far as the other guys after, um, after Jackson Smith and Jigba, the guy you have number two there, Zay flowers is a guy that the coaches I talk to really, really like what they see, but he's little. You know, he's a slot at Boston College who plays bigger than he is, but he is really little. Jordan Addison had a terrific uh, run at at Pitt when he had Kenny Pickett as his quarterback transfer to USC and did well, but he is really slight. He's 170-some pounds, and he did, you know, straight line. He didn't run as great as you want him to at that size, but he is really, really smooth. I think those are the guys they would they could look at in the first round if they want to do it, or maybe you roll the dice and say, okay, there'll be a slot or somebody else we think can help us, you know, after the first round, and we'll take another position just because we know Jackson Smith and Jigba is not falling to us. You know, one of the things that happened last year, there were nine trades in the first round of the draft. Now with these four quarterbacks thrown sprinkled into that. What's your gut tell you about how much movement there may be this year? I know we've already seen some at the top, you know, obviously with Carolina and Chicago. How much do you think that will mimic this draft this year? I think it definitely could happen because if you look at the teams past like 24-25, you know, the Bills don't need a quarterback. The Bengals don't need a quarterback. The Chiefs don't need a quarterback. Certainly the Eagles don't. So there's a lot of teams at the back end where used to be you would have teams with older quarterbacks who are maybe established and, and, and Super Bowl contenders. Now I think a lot of those teams are set for quarterback for a long time. So does that mean somebody moves up and say, all right, I want to, I, I don't want to miss out on Will Levis, or I don't want to miss out even on Hendon hooker from Tennessee. I think that could maybe move some things around. Also, you could see a run on cornerbacks. I think this is a pretty good group of cornerbacks. And I think a bunch of them could go, before maybe 20, so that could shuffle the deck a little bit. Defensive end is the other position that's kind of gotten some intrigue here because some are of the belief that Tyree Wilson will go ahead of Will Anderson of Alabama, and they'll take the Texas Tech kid before him. Based on the opinions that you got, what kind of stood out in terms of maybe the knocks on Anderson as opposed to people that are high on Wilson. Are there any differing things there that stand out that you could say, oh, yeah, you know what, I could see Wilson going before him? Yeah, this is a case of high floor versus high ceiling. I think the coaches I talk to think Will Anderson, because he's so good technique-wise, because he's so relentless, he does have, you know, it's not like he has bad measurables. 
But I, some of the guys I talked to, one in particular, just felt like if you're talking about a top three pick, you have to have just a little more potential long range than Will Anderson. Now, other guys I talked to think his floor is so high that, you know, he's not similar in how, you know, his stature of, of Aiden Hutchinson, but you had a guy with an extreme amount of effort and production in college. And with Hutchinson, he wasn't the first pick in the draft, but he was close to that last year. Um, he had a terrific first year. And I think, in my own opinion, from talking to people and having seen a lot of Will Anderson, I think he's a real safe pick. Whereas Tyree Wilson, with that length, you know, there's he's still a little bit raw, but I think people look at him and go, he could potentially be even better than Will Anderson. I don't know if I would make that bet if I was an NFL team, just because I think Will Anderson will be that good in the NFL or be that, that strong. I think there's a bunch of guys in the back end of the first round edge rushers and one in particular, Will McDonald, who is, you know, super dynamic in terms of flexibility and bend. And I think he will be a big time edge rusher. And he did a lot of different things, was asked to do a lot of different things for Iowa state. And I think he's a really, really good edge guy. That's going to come. He may not, I think he'll go in the first round at the end, but he he still could be there, maybe even at the top of the second round if things break a certain way. We talked about the wide receivers, and now you're talking about outside linebackers. As far as inside linebackers go, the Buffalo Bills lost Tremaine Edmonds, went to Chicago, signed a mega deal. There's two guys at the top of this draft that kind of have the measurables. It's Drew uh, Drew Sanders from Arkansas, and of course Jack Campbell from Iowa. But then this turns into a wide receiver class. They're all like sub, you know, like they're 6'1", 230, right? Just like all the receivers are sub six foot, sub 200 pounds. This linebacker class in the measurables drops right off a cliff. How do you see that panning out? And is Sanders and Campbell the top of the class just because they're bigger and taller than everybody else? No, they're really, really good football players. Drew Sanders started out his career at Alabama he was a guy who can play inside and out. I think he could be an edge guy too. Um, he's really, really good athlete, made a ton of plays for Arkansas. I think he's a guy who has first round talent. Jack Campbell, he was the player and there's, there's really players at all three levels at Iowa. You'll hear, you hear a lot more now for draft wise about Lucas Van Ness, who was a D lineman there. You talk to people inside the big 10 who played Iowa and they think, they think Jack Campbell is by far the best player Iowa had last year. Um, he's big. He is really rangy. He can run. He is explosive. There's a little bit of tightness and stiffness to him. But if you told me he was going to be a guy who's, who's going to lead a team in tackles for the next 10 years, I wouldn't be surprised at all. He's a really, really good football player. If you end up with Jack Campbell in the second round and you're a fan of that team, you should be very happy. I think, I do think there's a drop off between these two and the rest, but these are really, really good football players. And if you told me that either one ended up in the first round, it wouldn't surprise me. The guys after them, like Dayon Henley from Washington State is super versatile. I think he's really good in pass coverage, but he is a much smaller player, but he was everywhere. Um, Trenton Simpson from Clemson is an explosive athlete. He was one of my freaks list guys. Good football player. I don't think he's what the other two guys are. I don't know if he, I think he's as good a football player all around as Henley is. But measurables wise, you know, that guy, like I said, he was on my freaks list. 
and could have been in the top 20. He's just a really explosive athlete, but he was also playing behind a D line that had a bunch of grown men, a bunch of like elite caliber defensive linemen where he could just run and run stuff down. So I think maybe of those four, I would probably have him after Henley and after the, the two guys we talked about. Bruce, always good to get your insight on this. Uh, thanks for sharing some of NFL Draft 2023 Confidential with us. We'll be sure to point people in that direction on The Athletic. Appreciate the time. Enjoy the draft. My pleasure. Thanks, guys. All right, that's Bruce Feldman Bruce. joining us. He is the uh, national college football insider for The Athletic. Does a lot of – that guy does old-school digging just in terms <laughs> of sources to get what he gets. I mean, you read that – NFL draft 2023 confidential. I mean, you have to, I mean, all of his quotes from personnel executives, quarterbacks, coaches, college coaches, they're all anonymous, but you're looking at all these comments and you're like, man, he's probably talked to like 25, 30 people. Yeah. At least. And the thing about it is I always enjoy talking, having guys quoted who are down in the ranks of the coaching staff. This quarterback coach, not an offensive coordinator, it's the quarterback coach. And those guys, for those of you who don't know, there's the head coach at the top, then there's the coordinator, then there's the quarterback coach, then there's the quarterback, the guy. Like In this case, it would be Josh Allen. And the job of the quarterback's coach is to go from Josh to the coordinator to the head coach and tell them why Josh doesn't like this play and he doesn't want it in the offense. You know, it's like a, a liaison. And it's also a guy that tells Josh, say, listen, we need to do this because of this and this and this. So the coordinator doesn't have to just go in and say, hey, what are you doing? Get Do this, right? So it's a, he is a buffer and a friend at, on the coaching staff to the quarterback room. And those guys see quarterbacks – as people, not pieces. As human beings, not X's and O's. They see him in a personality rather than a tool set. So it's fun to have those guys in an article say, hey, what do you think about this kid Richardson coming out? And the guy goes, well, here's the thing. <laughs> you know, and he'll give you the nuts and bolts of his personality and what he do because he knows that you got to sit down and talk with a guy and get him to do that stuff yeah. on the field that you see on the film. It's a great perspective that really lends some credibility to what guys like Feldman, Bruce Feldman do because they talk to those guys. That, that's where the rubber meets the road, where the playbook gets put on the field, and he's right there where they meet. Uh, it's really interesting perspective from those guys. And, I, and for that reason, I, I recommend his stuff that we, you know, we got him on today, but he's got some stuff on The Athletic that's really worth reading. Yeah, and he mentioned the Iowa State pass rusher, Will McDonald who I think is a long shot uh, as an option for Buffalo. I know Bills fans don't want to hear that, you know, another pass rusher could be in play for them at the bottom of round one. But the more we see the mock drafts, and look, they all have limited value because, as we've said time and time again, none of us know what's going to happen. But more often than not, the receiver value is gone. The, de the defensive tackles might even be thin. The offensive tackles are off the board. Um, and so now you're down to linebacker, corner, pass rusher, maybe defensive tackle. I mean, there's really it, – it, more and more it's looking like the value is going to be sparse on the offensive side of the ball down where the Bills are picking at 27. And I think that's going to open up value to the defensive side of the ball more than anything. 
We have to take a break here. When we come back, more of your phone calls. Gary and Fredonia, hang tight. We will get to you. You'll be batting leadoff when we return. Here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health, it's Buffalo Bills Radio. How has the Aaron Rodgers trade to the Jets shifted things in the AFC East in your mind? You let us know at 803-0550, 1-888-550-2550, number to get on board. We lead off this segment with Gary in Fredonia. What do you got for us, Gary? You know, I, the one guy I've been wondering about, I haven't heard one word about, a receiver mm-hmm. the Buffalo picked up late in the season was Desmond Patman. And he has, he's 6'4", it seemed to have good measurables compared to Hodgins, who was in the same class. And I just like your comments on him. Yeah, you're right. Giant target, Gary. You're 100% correct. 6'4", 220. I want to say he was a former sixth-round pick of the Colts and really didn't get on the field a whole lot for them. Uh, Only played in 10 career games for them over three seasons and has four career receptions. But I think the size that he brings to the receiving core is very intriguing. Um, So, hey. They took a flyer on him. They signed him to a reserve future free agent contract in January, and he'll get every opportunity in training camp to prove he belongs. I mean, I think if there's one thing we've learned in the McDermott era is people get a fair shake here. You get an opportunity to show that you deserve more of an opportunity. And if you demonstrate that, you'll be on the field. Greatest, the greatest example of that is Levi Wallace. Um, or, there are others. Christian, or Christian Bernard. Christian not, Benford. Uh, Benford. Christian Benford. Six-round pick. He's Six a rookie. Six-round pick, and he started ahead of Kair Elam. The first-round pick. Um, that doesn't happen anywhere else in the National Football League. So, yeah, if he's good enough, he'll get on the field. It's that simple. But he's going to have to do it. And certainly the, the hill is steeper to climb for, other, for some guys other than others. But that doesn't mean it's impossible and he's not going to get a chance. Christian Benford climbed through the depth chart last year during training camp. It took him, like, it took him, I think, really a full two weeks before all of us started going, well, this Benford guy is yeah. starting to get reps here. He, he moved took- up from the third team to the second team in the first week. Right. And I was like, oh, somebody's making a move here. Right. And then with Tredavia still not healthy enough to practice there with the m- team. There was more reps to go around. There were more reps. And he took advantage of them. And they reward guys that take advantage of their opportunity. And, and I think, too, I don't think there's any question about it. There's no question. McDermott and Leslie Frazier were sending a little bit of a message to Kyrie Elam as well, whether he's playing well or not, that they want. They were going to say, listen, you're number one pick. I get all that, but you're going to have to earn it. And this guy over here is doing what we're asking him to do, and he's doing it better than anybody thought he could. So he's going to get rewarded for that. Watch him. So there was a little bit of that going on, perhaps, but they don't. I don't think they had any regrets at all the way they handled Christian Benford last year and the way they handled Kyrie. Um, so I'm because Benford came in with really good measurables. He's a big dude, so uh, they had no qualms about playing him, and the guy never, never really disappointed them in any rep he took. So um, there's a lot in that. Yeah, uh, and got, that that resonates in the locker room. Believe but me. But Patman is a is a a tantalizing physical tools player. Not only because he's six four, and two hundred and twenty pounds, but he ran a four four eight at the combine. You know, at six foot four, he had a thirty six inch vertical. 
and he broad jumped 11 feet. So there is some natural physical tools there. And, you know, if Coach Henry, the new receivers coach, feels he can do something with him and develop him, you might have a nice-looking possession guy that you can use in the red zone. At 6'4", with a 36-inch vertical, I mean, that goes guy's going up 11 feet to catch footballs. Right. Yeah, you got to find out why he couldn't get on the field in Indianapolis. Find out how, if you can use his tool set. Find out if he's dedicated to getting better or if he's just kind of coasting along. Uh, if he's dedicated to it, and there's no reason he can't get better, and he won't get better. Um, there's no reason to think he won't. So, But he's three years in. And here he is on his second team. So there's something in there that's keeping him off the field. Uh, there you go. Find out what it is and see if you can alleviate it. How has the Aaron Rodgers trade to the Jets shifted things in the AFC East in your mind? We turn now to the tweet sheet where opinions live. And the tweet sheet brought to you by Corrigan Moving Systems, the official equipment moving company of the Buffalo Bills. Andrea says the Jets are now our main competition. Sauce. Williams, Rogers and company. We need to get this draft and D hop right. D hop would be nice. There's a lot of layers to that. Um, as we've said on the show before, because it's not just a matter of compensation. It's a matter of making the money work. And, you know, Hopkins has said he's open to renegotiating his contract to facilitate a trade, but to what degree? Like, is he taking a 5% haircut? Right. Is he willing to add a year to his contract? What, what exactly is he willing to do? And that's something that only the agent and the team can sort out and decide, oh, you know what? That would fit. Now let's talk to the Cardinals about compensation. Yeah, so it, there are a lot of steps you got to get through yeah, for that to material. You're not going to give him a five-year contract just to make the money work. Um, and you don't want to come back and you know have him for a year and a half or two years uh, where he only stays healthy for one year and then have to get rid of him and then take a $20 million dead cap hit to make this work for a year and a half or one season out of two. So something like that. Uh, certainly, though, I mean, you and I both and all of us know DeAndre Hopkins is a very good wide receiver still at this point of his career. Right. You, and at this point of his career, on the bad side of 30, the only thing you really worry about at this point, like you do with Diggs, is durability. Diggs has never been one to – come out of games or be unavailable. Well, he treats his body like a temple. And D-Hop did have that problem just last year. Well, he missed six games for a PED suspension. So there was that. Oh, okay. He, wasn't, before, he wasn't injured? The year before he had injuries, okay. yes. So there's so you start to wonder about that, whether the guy can stay healthy enough to, to help you, particularly at the kind of money he's going to command. Um, but the guy can play when he's on, when he's right. He's really, 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 really good. Yeah. Connor on the tweet sheet says, I don't think there is any major shift in the division. Buffalo has historically played very well against Aaron Rodgers. Yes, the Jets have some good weapons on offense, but at the end of the day, the Jets will have to prove they belong. Yeah, and we've kind of said that to some degree. The proof will be in the pudding. Let's see how they look in September, October, and if they can sustain it in November and December. Um, yeah. I yeah. mean, it, everybody, everybody loves their roster on paper. But right. what's happening on the field? How healthy can you stay as a team? What? How is your schedule layout? Because there's times where you might hit a team that's that's running hot. You know, they're they've won three in a row. They're just beating people up, and you got to play them next. And it's like you're running into a buzzsaw. And even right. though you play your best game, you still lose. 
right. then that a team in your division will play that same team a month later when two of their starting and best players on offense are out and they beat them by 10. You're like, whoa, what the heck? Yeah, there's a lot of this is it's out of the, each team's control. There's a lot, you know, everything the Jets do is out of the Bills' control. Uh, the, the chance and the random nature of injuries, all of that stuff. Um, I do know this, or, or at least have been, it's been my experience observing this about the New York franchise. Once the season gets rolling, good or bad, it tends to steamroll. And if it starts going really well for the Jets, um, that's, a, that's an organization that it's easy to front run with. The media gets behind you. They start pumping you up. Yeah, they build you up. And, you know, it, it goes your way. Now, if, if they stumble out of the gate, it turns the other way. And it's fast. And it, and it goes, it circles the drain really fast. So uh, I think the first month and a half of the season is really going to be critical for the New York Jets to get out to a fast start. Um, if they do, it's a dogfight in the division. Um, even it's going to be, it's a long, it's a long season and anything can happen and, in, and injuries can always, you know, buoy or sabotage your season. But I think that first six weeks of the season is going to be absolutely critical for the Jets, given the atmosphere that is pervasive in, in their franchise, in their region and, and the way they yeah. handle, you know, in the media and the city and the fan base and all the pressure that can be brought to bear by outside forces. So, if they start getting, if they get out to a fast start, look out. Well, yeah, and they'll be anointed. Jeremy on the tweet sheet says, "Not much. I love the move as it'll set the Jets back at least half a decade. It'll be nice to watch Rodgers and the Jets get eliminated from the playoffs by Garoppolo and the Raiders. A Rodgers <laughs> okay. tradition." Phillips says, "This puts the Jets in win now window and more desperate to make additional moves in an arms race. No additional pressure from the division." as KC and the Bengals are the true roadblocks. Only real impact on the Bills is likely playing wildcard weekend, making the division title less important as the East beats on each other. I think there will be more of that. Mm -hmm. the, the AFC East will be kind of beating up each other. We anticipated that last year, Steve, if you remember, out in the AFC West. Right. We thought with Russell Wilson going there, Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes, and uh, Derek Carr getting Devontae Adams – Oh, the AFC West, they're going to beat up on each other all season long. That's better for the Bills and other teams and other divisions. Not so much. Now people are wondering if that's going to happen in the AFC East. Now that Rodgers is here, yeah. you still have, well, and, at least at the start of the season, you have a healthy Tua, you know. What are we going to do? The Bills. What are they going to do if Nathaniel Hackett works the same magic on Aaron Rodgers that he worked on Russell Wilson last year? Well, then what are you going to do? I'll be cackling. Because well, it's. Don't you know? Think about it. You know, I. Yep. So I, we'll that see. track record I, is I mean, real. I, I'm not saying that's going to happen, but still, it could. It could, because we just watched it last year. We've in Denver. seen that. Break time for us here. Some final thoughts on the tweet sheet next here on One Bills Live. Stay tuned. Final thoughts on the tweet sheet here. Tiffany says the pressure is on the Jets. They put themselves in a position to have to win it all this season with the future draft compensation they gave up to get Rodgers. We still have the best QB in the division. I'm confident we can still win, make a deep playoff run this season. Super Beast. Jets will be better than the Dolphins and the Patriots, but won't be the Bills when it counts. Matt says they got better, but there's no guarantee how, how well he'll play 
or if he'll even play more than a season. It'd be far scarier for the long term if they swung for Lamar. Interesting. That's true too. I like that's a good take as well. You're true. That's true. If Lamar came into the division, that's different. That's different. Um, and I'll say this: we we were laughing. I think I said this during the. I don't think I said this at the end of the last segment. But what happens if Rogers going to the Jets with Nathaniel Hackett has the same magical touch that Nathaniel Hackett had with Russ Wilson in Denver last year? Yeah. What if what if that little magic potion blows up in their face just like it did a year ago? I would say the only difference is Hackett and Rogers have worked together before in Green Bay. The system is essentially the same that he used in Green Bay, so you would think they would hit the ground running. They have a proven number one running back in Brees Hall. How he looks removed from the ACL injury will be something to watch. They Mm -hmm. have a proven number one wide receiver in Garrett Wilson. They have to fix the offensive line, which many people believe they will address in the draft. Gigi says, yes, unfortunately, yes. I'm not convinced on the coaching but the talent they have is pretty scary, especially getting Hall back healthy and a QB that has been MVP twice in the last three years. Jets have added, the Bills have subtracted. I don't know if they've. Uh, I don't know that. I don't know if Tremaine Edmonds maybe. Tremaine Edmonds is a subtraction, and Devin Singletary. I I I hate to say uh, it, they've upgraded. Yeah, I think so too. Damian Harris is yeah. a better player. Yeah. Um, no question though, the Jets are better today. No question. You have to acknowledge. Yeah, it. they're a better team. And Aaron Rodgers has a lot of chops, and he's going to make a difference for those guys. He's going I would think. Now, we can make all the things about, you know, Nate Hack and all that, how it went, but yeah, we'll see. We'll see. That's it for us today. Join us tomorrow at 1 p.m. for NFL Draft Eve. We'll see you then.